0: Came up just in light of what we have seen in our nation and in the church over the past couple years. Um, you know, in 2020, um, in amidst the, the death of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, um, there was there was kind of this reckoning in our country of, for some people, just kind of for the first time becoming aware of some of the racial injustice in our country. Um, you know, for others, they would maybe known about this for a long time. Um, but for some people, they were just learning to kind of find their voice in it, um, and so where it seemed like there was there was this eagerness um, to to call out the injustice and to learn, um, and then over the past two years, uh, maybe you guys have felt this. There's been a little bit of a shift in some ways, um, where especially right now, you know, we see so many people that are labeling anything, any talk about anti-racism or systemic racism, labeling that all as critical race theory and, and pushing back and saying that it's antithetical to the gospel. Um, and so what what we're seeing here, I believe is something that, that has happened all throughout history. You know, Any time that there has been um, this, this uh, movement of people speaking up against injustice, um, there has also been those in power pushing back against it. And so even though the, the language and the circumstances might change It's a pattern that's repeated over and over. And it's something that we even see in in the Bible, you know, as as Jesus was entering into our world and spending time with those who were marginalized, giving honor to those who had been oppressed, calling out the abuses of power, um, he was met with, with resistance. He was met with pushback to where he was killed for that, right? And, and right before Jesus died in, in John 15 and 16, he warns his disciples that if you follow in this way that I have set out for you, that you are also going to face this as well. The world is gonna hate you as I hated me. And when he talks about the world, he's including those within the religious institution who are gonna put you out of the synagogue and, and even kill you thinking that they're doing service to God. Um, so this is this is something that we see over and over again. And so maybe some of you guys have have experienced that yourselves. Maybe you have just kind of seen what's been going on over the past two two years, and maybe even just feeling a little bit confused about it. And so we just wanted to have some conversation, uh, just about that, um, about the the reality that as we enter into this work of peace and justice, that there's going to be there's going to be pushback. Um, so I have invited some of my friends um, from a racial reconciliation collab that both Jay Wu and I have been involved in over the past year. Um, Thought that they would be great people to, to kind of speak to this and share their experience. They have a lot of wisdom to share with us. Um, and also I thought it'd be a great opportunity just to, to introduce um, the work that we're doing in our collab with you to you guys. Um, over the past year we've been having a lot of internal conversations, doing some planning, but in in the near future we're gonna have some opportunities to invite you guys into. So I thought this would also be a great way to, to kind of get them before you so you can see the kind of stuff that we're doing. So without further ado Um, I would like for you guys to um, just give us a brief introduction. Who are you? How have you um, engaged in the work of
1: justice? You want
2: to start, Camille? Hello. Can can everyone, it's like weird speaking with a mask on. So thank you for your patience in this. Um, I'm Camille. I am, so I work in three different ways. One is that I am a Theo poet, which means I write poetry in In the realm of Christianity, I write about um, violence and trauma and healing from trauma. I write about restoration. The second is that I'm a public educator, so I do a lot of work in the field of educating the public and the masses. Currently, I have a podcast called Abolition as Resurrection. So it is about the relationship between Christianity and abolition. And then third is that I'm an abolitionist. So that is, there's a lot of ways to go into that. Um, I focus specifically on um, the work of rebuilding, so I work in the field of restoration, repair, how do we rebuild and how do we create systems of accountability outside of punitive justice or like punitive punishment systems that we currently
1: have in this country.
3: Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hi, my name is Ari Lugo. Um, I am a public school teacher, I've been working in schools for about 10 years, but I'm also a professional musician and for the past four or five years, um, I've been singing with a group called Tonality. Um, It's a professional choir based in LA where we do music for social justice. Um, And super shout out to choir because I'm a super choir nerd. We are Grammy nominated, so very excited. Super exciting. Um, but really just to think like the work we do, it can enter into all these great spaces. So um, just really excited for that. And that's, I, we do all do a lot of different things, but I'm here kind of with that angle and perspective to share a little bit about my experience in art and activism.
4: Awesome, um, I'm Brianna Stickney. Um, my first, I guess, step into peacemaking was more around homelessness lived in Fullerton since I uh, was 18 and I'm, now I'm 33. So I've been here for a while and when I graduated college was when the whole Kelly Thomas incident happened. I don't know if you guys know about that incident, but in short, there was a lot of unrest after, um, if you didn't know, it was a man experiencing homelessness who also had a, uh, was struggling with a mental illness and he ended up dying at the hands of police. And so at the time, I was working at Panera, shout out Panera off of Chapman, and uh, <laughs> State College um, after graduating and um, college. Not sure what I was gonna do. And felt initially that I thought I was gonna be going overseas. And then when that happened, I was like, snap, there's a lot of things here in my own community that need um, support and restoration and all that. So that was the beginning of my journey. Through that um, have been able to be a part of different uh, collaboratives and places where I've learned more and more about different things happening within Fullerton. And so in that process of learning more about how to be a peacemaker amongst varying different uh, social uh, realities in our community, um, also recognizing the need for space uh, for people to come and process and to be able to feel safe enough to acknowledge themselves and what their journey is and also um, help people who are trying to figure out how to, um, so when I say themselves, so specifically now with like people of color, for example, um, recognizing in 2020 when there was a lot going on, I mean, there've been things going on, but 2020 when a lot of things came to head You know, what does it look like to create a safe space for people of color who are within the church, probably like more predominantly white evangelical churches, to be able to share and process what they're experiencing? So that's also been a part of my journey of peacemaking. It's been more, probably more about creating those safe spaces for people to be able to feel like um, they belong, that they can share and be honest and, and continue their process of discovering who they are and they've been created to be in freedom in that. So that's that's me. Oh, and then I get to help lead that collab that they're talking about. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
5: <laughs> so, my name is Francis Demet for Mata Holoya. and I purposely said my whole name because it, it shows where I'm from. Where I'm a first generation Filipino-American. Yeah, yeah. All of them. Okay. And so, what I do, um, so I mostly work with The Navigators, which is a Christian organization, and they are a predominantly white organization. And so, I... I am in kind of two worlds in that, where I also work with Collegiate, which I am meeting with UC Irvine students, and some of them are here right now, there's three of them right there. (laughs) And then the other part of my role with them is I am on the team called Cultural Journey, where we're making resources, making sure the voices of the people of color are being heard, where oftentimes a lot of my job I've also just been providing care, making sure they're actually listened to, you know, address what needs to be addressed and pretty much raise up and elevate things that needs to be elevated within the overall organization. And when it comes to the peacemaking and seeking out justice, that's the first thing I thought of is just like, the overall peace, even within the body of Christ, is still very, very much needed. And there's a lot of work still need to be done. Thank you guys, thanks so much for sharing it and thanks for the work
0: that you guys are doing. Um, if you guys could now just hear a little bit about how do you understand um your role in peacemaking and justice as a part of your call to follow jesus yeah we, we can reverse the order or you i'll go first
3: okay. it's okay Middle <laughs> school teacher here for the rescue <laughs> gosh it's such a big question and i think there's we could talk hours and hours on this but Um, Specifically in my journey with Tonality, as a singer, um, we do themed concerts around different issues, mental health, women's issues, it just goes on and on. But the one that really struck me was this set we have called Put Your Guns Down. And we bring in a lot of composers who are writing pieces about this really important issue. But in the set, we also do a rendition of when David heard. And if you know the biblical story, it's about another political moment in the Bible, and David, you know, he ends up killing his son. But the text said, when David heard that Absalom was slain, he went to his chamber and he wept. And I think there's such a humanity in that. You know, there's so many broken things happening everywhere systemically, also just, moment to moment in our own bias and our own issues inside, but sin and the way that we act that out, it's not like naughtiness, right? It's like, ooh, you did a bad thing. It's tragedy, no matter how you paint it, right? And I just think that the setting of that song and that story and the text and the way it sat in that concert alongside all these other songs It really struck me that not just that story, but throughout the Bible, there are all these instances where the (laughs) injustice and the path to peacemaking is very tied with a lot of tragedy, with a lot of brokenness. And I guess one statement I've always loved is, the only way out is through. And so I've really leaned on my music making and sharing art with others as a way to process and get through all of that. But I do think the Bible and the stories and the way we interpret and understand those stories is a great way to get through and kind of think through how does that apply to us now. Um, So I really encourage that to really like build a new lens toward a lot of these stories. And think about, wow, all of these moments in scripture, they play a big role for us today and right now in these very relevant issues. So that would be my answer to that.
4: I, I can, no. uh, so I think for me, um, it really, as of lately, my I feel like my approach and understanding of it all has shifted, um, you know, as all of us went through a pandemic and still kind of going through. Um, There's a reset that happened for me personally. Um, And at the same time, a lot of things happened, not just the pandemic, but you know, the community that was invested in for eight years ended up closing. Um, I ended up becoming a mother. A lot of things happened in 2020 for me, slash, it was a few years leading up to 2022, but. So for me in that reset, it really caused me to ask myself the why, why am I doing the things that I feel called to? Um, And what are those things that I was doing out of, Um, how do you say it's health, and what are the things that I'm doing out of um, unhealth and I think for me in this journey recognizing how much um, I wasn't fully living out the life that I know that and being the person that God created me to be in my whole self um, as you know a person of color as um, just a who have all the things about me that God put together in me that I enjoy, like music and, you know, I'm not fitting in a box, and I always have felt like I don't fit in a box. And so I think, um, for me, um, this this journey of peacemaking and um, recognizing that, you know, Jesus is desiring freedom for all, and um, you know, for me learning that freedom has really come at the cost of taking those risks of recognizing who am I actually versus who I've been feeling I'm supposed to be. And so that's my hope and and understanding of peacemaking is, yes, there's injustice and all these things, but a big part of it is really um, seeing the humanity of people, the dignity of people, and allowing people to not feel like they have to be or do or Say the right things or however you want to say that that they're again truly living out of freedom. so for me, you know Jesus is freedom um, and so uh, that's really for me where where that intersection happens um, and then the rest follows, right because then you're not you're not functioning in dysfunction and you're you're functioning out of a whole self and self that for me is Jesus <laughs> yeah.
5: So in my own personal calling journey, especially when I think Ari um, kind of told me a, a little bit about this, I revisited the lament and just the peacemaking side. And I think for me, when it comes to this, so I'm a very emotional and very emotive guy in general. So like, if you ask me what I'm feeling, I, I'm not gonna use the words good. Like I will tell you like I feel blank. So even with that in mind, like who I am, I feel like in my journey to this, in lament as well, where I really had just been learning and really inviting people in more of like are we letting both joy and the sorrows of our life actually befriend each other where that is essential to lament where acknowledging yes there are we should be sorrowful but there's still joy found in jesus and actually like bringing and that's what shalom is like what they said earlier it's this total wholeness and that's all of us we're more than capable of being joyful and sorrow at the same time so every time I, I feel like when i bring people in like you're allowed to feel joy and still feel the anger that you are rightfully have and so in my journey like just really bringing people in with you this it's like even looking how jesus dealt with this duality when he says like let Lebanese me pray to jesus the very last thing he still did what he needed to do but we still see a lot of his emotions being poured out, and that's peace. And so, even for me, in my own journey, letting people in, like, hey, let's address this together, because we are a community, and we're needed to do this, whether to pull some joy out, or to let people feel the sorrow and sit in that emotion as well.
2: That was so good. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I'm have. i trying to think of how many answers I have to this and how much time (laughs) I can spend talking about it. But um, I think first and foremost, when it comes to like peacemaking and justice, I actually don't use those words um, because of the connotations that they have. Like if I say justice, a lot of the times we are thinking retaliatory. Like we're thinking of revenge or vengeance. um, And I don't wanna operate out of that. So I operate, I say like liberation or liberative. And when I talk of peace, I talk of conflict because you have to have conflict to know peace. Otherwise you're asking someone to sacrifice themselves in order for there to be like a sense of neutrality. And there's really no neutrality in peace. Um, and so when I, when I talk about being a peacemaker, like I, I tell, hey, with the snaps, I got you. <laughs> I, I am like, I'm so quick, like ask my husband, I'm so quick to clap back. Like I, there's a kindness in a clap back. And you, you will feel my kindness when it is given. That's I gotta say. But I, um, yeah, I it's this world, this life is messy and it needs to be messy, right? When we think of heaven or the garden of Eden, like I have been in so many situations where a pastor will describe it as like Irvine, right? Like, <laughs> right, like the suburbs. And to me, it's like, no, it's a garden and it's a messy garden and that's, that there's goodness in that. Like we need to have a mess. Um, and I say this also because like I'm a hot mess, so like it's really really helping me and like my own personhood. Um, but also, like let's think about the Bible and the context which, in which it's written, right? The Bible is written by people who were exiled, who were colonized, and who had experienced so much cultural violence. They were exploited in so many capacities in so many ways. The Bible, in its entirety is a book of lament, and there's stories from people who are saying, Hey, remember when God gave us victory? Hey, remember when this happened? I know that we're, um, we're suffering under the hand of Babylon, but remember that God is with us. So for me, the peacemaking is not, like I, I believe in like theologies of victory, but I also believe in like personhood and hurting and being in community and recognizing that when we are hurt and we come together, it gets really messy. But in that conflict, we find peace and that peace is liberative. Right, it's not vengeance-filled. It's 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 a coming together, um, and I love that Francis said shalom. Right, like the, shalom is community, and if there's no conflict in community, then there's no growth. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man,
0: I feel like there's just from what you guys shared right there, there's like enough to chew on for the rest of the day. Um, but we're gonna keep going because I know you guys got more to share. Um, so can you guys share a little bit? Um, about your experience as you have engaged in this work of peacemaking, justice, liberation, um, what has your experience been within the church?
4: I can go. Um, so I will say that I kind of got a little pass. Um, so, um, you know, in just full, I mean, I just want to be 100% me. This is my first time stepping into a church since early 2019. So, for me, it has been a journey around, um, like like I said, in the reset, recognizing the realities of the messiness, and trying to figure out what is worth risking in that mess. And so, um, for me, you know, I was I would say full on engaged in the church. You know, 2018 down. <laughs> Um, And for me in that time, I know that there were things happening that were causing conversation and people willing to be open and honest. uh, Well, I shouldn't say that, backtrack. People were willing to talk about it, (laughs) but maybe not necessarily fully in their full self about it. And so I'm grateful that I was able to be a part of, uh, at the time, like the community, the last year especially, like we were willing to dabble in there and people were open. Um, But it was uncomfortable. Fast forward. Um, It was heartbreaking, unseeing the reality as pain points and fear and distrust and all these things while we were all separated started to happen. And so for me, it's been very at a distance watching a lot of things and dynamics unfold, which has also been very hard because I can have so many conversations over the phone and in Michael Polo and all these things, but it's not the same as being with one another, right? And so for me, it's been very interesting trying to step back into conversations with people where maybe in 2018, it was a little more um, open because no pain points have been pushed as much and risk, you know? Um, now I find myself very, very um, reluctant to engage in, you know, people who were authority figures in my life at the time, people who, um, you know, as a person in, in the community, oftentimes, you know, you, you submit to certain authorities and all that. So I think for me, it's been um, an interesting journey um, with even family and friends, and just trying to know how to navigate that dialogue. As I know now, it just feels it is riskier and it is hostile and it is causing um, to the point of not being neutral a point where you can't anymore. And so for me, that's been heartbreaking. And part of the reason why it's hard to step back into a church because I look around, not here, that's much. I'm sorry, but that's why I'm here because I felt like I could come back here because I could be open. Um, but it was, it, you know, I just don't know what I'm stepping into because things came out that I didn't recognize. And that's true even in myself, even in myself, I was like, ooh, I didn't know I felt that way about those things too, as things were becoming a threat for me as well. So we all have mess, but I think you just don't realize. In sometimes in the context of church, you know, we can fall into this uh, perception of each other and the way you know, and, and be someone not our full self in this space. And so I think that that for me has been hard. So thank you. I just want to say thank you for being a place that I feel like I can step back into. And I know this is like the leadership of of all of you guys. You know, thank you for for creating a space for someone like me to step into. So.
5: Thank you for taking the risk with your story. That means a lot. Uh, church. <laughs> 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 that, I mean nothing by that, it's just, okay. Take <laughs> it as you want to. Um, okay.
2: Now it's cheese most of the time. <laughs> <laughs>
5: um, yeah, I think in general, when I think of church, like it's the most exclusive yet inclusive thing that I could think of, too, at the same time where, yeah, inclusive, because like everyone is, again, supposed to be welcome and everything. But even my own journey with church and addressing stuff in here, in these issues, which I'm not, I don't really to in church with them, but like, I would get like some messages of like this, I'm being gaslit! of just like being told, oh, I thought, I thought you know the Bible. I thought you're, on, you're a campus minister. I mean, you're supposed to know like what this new, great new religion is against the gospel. And even part of me, like, I know they're, what they're saying is, like, it doesn't address a lot of the nuances still that they may not understand yet. But I think when I think of the church, I also think of people like, like here, who's also willing to listen, who's willing to do the work. And that's why I feel like I have to be more aware, like, how much, what, before I throw my pearls, are they swines or not? And that's the reality I need to know. And sometimes I do get hurt from that. Again, with the snaps, I like it so much. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so clearly
5: right now, like, yeah, I would cast my pearls to you guys, and to everything, because I feel so welcome.
1: I feel I'm... Exactly!
5: So being careful, but also at the same time, addressing you know, the like, I will get hurt. Doing this work, There will be hurt. And I know like, that's, it's still part of the lament as this series is addressing the spirit still. And I cannot ignore that. And obviously, I have more to share than other specific stories, but again, time. I'm going to stop right there and pause. So.
2: I wanted to hear more. <laughs>
0: um,
2: Vanessa, can you ask the question again? Yeah, no. yeah,
0: as you have um, engaged in this work of liberation, um, what has your experience been within the church, within a faith context? Um, I think
2: the short answer is raggedy. Um, the long answer, though, I'll answer this in a in a story. So, um, in 2016, I believe 1615, when Trayvon Martin was murdered, I went to a woman of color minister conference, and that whole weekend we were just lamenting, like crying, screaming, not knowing what to do. Um, and um, uh, one of the guests, her name is Lisa Sharon Harper, so she's also a Christian writer, and she, we, we all asked the same question, like, what do we do in our church? Um, and Lisa Sharon Harper told us, you, need, you will know when God lifts the grace for you to leave. Um, so fast forward to 2020, George Floyd is murdered. Um, and I had experienced from 2016 to 2020 so much, um, the word is noir so it's like the mixture of racism and sexism, um, specifically for, towards black women. So I experienced so much um, covert misogynoir in my church. And once 2020 came, and after, like a couple months after George Floyd was murdered, I decided to work with um, our new pastor at that church to create a curriculum on how to have these conversations. Now, at that time, this church is like, hello, white evangelical nationalist. Like, like I wish I could hear the voice of God being like, "Girlfriend, this is a bad idea," but, <laughs> but I did not hear that. Um, so I was like trying, and I was, I was in this. Um, I have these three other women that um, were all mixed. We're all half black. And we get together once every few months just to talk things out. And we actually met in that um, Women of Color Conference. And I was telling them like, oh, I'm working on this curriculum to, to, on how to have these conversations with our church. And I'll never forget this conversation with my friend Adrian. She was like, Camille, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to freedom. I'm going to the kingdom of God. And if you're not coming, I'm leaving you behind. And if anyone is not coming with me, that's fine, because I'm going to God. I don't have to bring anyone. They'll come to. And so that, that deeply impacted me, to the point where I started questioning if I should even do this like, educational series that was supposed to be recorded. And when the day came for me to record, I woke up and I was like, I'm not feeling this. And this is like really indicative of my prayer life. I was like, okay God, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna be faithful. But if you don't want this, I trust that you'll sabotage it. Um, So I go and on the day of recording, um, the pastor comes up to me and he's like, Hey, so um, we're actually going to go have lunch and I can't be in the same room with you since you're a woman. So what we're going to do is I'll just turn on the equipment and then you can record it by yourself. And then when you're done, just press stop and then you can close the doors. Um, So I was like, all right, I'll be faithful. Um, Did it recorded for like an hour and a half, Um, felt super gross, left and just still had that piece where I was like, I trust that you'll sabotage this if it's not for you. Well, like, flash forward to a month later, our family's having dinner with that passionate family, and he goes, Camille, I'm so sorry, but for some reason, the audio just didn't record for the video. And he was like, could you you possibly do it again? And I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to. Um, God answered my prayer, and I am leaving, Um, and that, In that moment, I was like, "Oh, okay. God has very visibly lifted the grace in this one situation for me." Um, So, like a few months later, I left. I had a meeting with the pastors. I left. I let let them know why I left the church. um, And I was so, I was happy, but I felt so defeated because I had lost so much of myself and so many. Like I, I, if I had stayed in that church, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would have committed. Like if I would have hurt myself or if I would have just denigrated myself into someone that I don't even know who I am. And so when God lifted that grace, I, I realized that I can step fully into myself now and not be held back by this church. Um, and when I did that, I'm not saying like, leave your church and you're free because I'm speaking in a church, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but when I did that, I started finding my people um, and yes, my people are like all around the world, but they are people who are marching towards freedom, who are building and creating and restoring and repairing. And it, in that context, to me, church is community. Um, what communities am I, am I in that acknowledges my personhood and the personhood of other people? Um, and I, I, I'll just end in this, because I talk too much um, is that when we read the book of Revelations, right, you got like the crazy people who are like, the end times. oh my god, like, scorpion with the fly on it, it's a helicopter, like, right, you see these people. (laughs) And so, when I, I like try not to read Revelations, but when I do, what I see time and time again, is that you have these small pockets of community who are able to survive such incredible violence and who are able to get through because the glory of God is community, right? So who are the community that we are in? Because that community is our church, um, whether it is the people in this building or the people that you're connected to. So when I think of doing the work of peacemaking and, and, and liberation, I, I often think of what is the community that's going to help me survive the violence? Because the violence isn't gonna stop, it's promise and it's inevitable, but so is community how do I build that up and how do I continue to create and inspire other people to, cre- to have what they need in their community too?
3: Okay everybody, after this, you're all gonna listen to her podcast <laughs> and we're just gonna binge listen for two days. <laughs> um, gosh, what you were saying about Revelations, there is this one part where it talks about all the like craziness gonna go on, and then there's just a phrase that always stuck with me and it says, and then love will grow cold. And that's so true. Yeah. You know, that, that's that's where we're at guys. <laughs> you know. I don't know about the helicopters and scorpions, yeah. but <laughs> I think it's it's a reality we have to face. So I thank you for sharing that. I we actually did this whole talk before we came here and it's like even cooler to hear it a second time. <laughs> I'm like yes <laughs> sucked in
2: completely. We're just eating out with each other, yes. all of us. That's all we we just didn't talk on
3: Zoom. <laughs> Um, gosh, I, I have a quick, like, moment, and then I have the answer to this question. I think we're feeling it with <laughs> hearing all of this, but as someone who, you know, drives out to LA and hangs out with artists and people doing activist work, it's like, I just want to name it, and I'm speaking from my experience, but guys, the people who do this work, they don't like Christians. They, they actually kind of hate, us. Can I say that? They hate us, you know. And the image that we have nationally and I know that's a big wide spectrum, but we have work to do. <laughs> if we want to show up with the the joy and lamenting, the non-violent justice non-justice. <laughs> but it, it, it's a reality at least in my spaces, right? If I I don't even think half of my choir knows I'm Christian because (laughs) I would get into some tough conversations and I'm not ready for that right now. But that's the truth. We're kind of like not chilling up right now in these spaces and and as a Christian community, I I don't know that we're doing a great job. Um, So in my work, you know, with the church that I'm in and other spaces, I'm thinking about this concept of ways we avoid. Um, I think sometimes when we're very, in in all validity, note to Francis, feeling our anger, feeling our uh, distrust or those kind of moments, sometimes they are pointing to ways we're avoiding. I will give you an example because it literally happened on my drive. Here, and it was me. <laughs> I text and drive. I'm sorry, world. <laughs> I'm texting and driving, and maybe you don't notice, but I am I'm actually pregnant. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm driving and I'm like signing the text actually to Vanessa. I'm like almost there. <laughs> and my husband is like, don't text and drive, that's so dangerous. And I just got angry, right? I'm like, I, I like stopped and I was like, do you know where we're going? <laughs> like, I need to control myself right now. And I'm just being angry to avoid the fact that I'm doing something that's dangerous, right, to me, dangerous to my baby, and I need to not be that way, right? So again, totally valid feelings, but can we take a moment and process that? Can we take a moment and learn and be like, okay, I was being angry because I was avoiding what I was doing wrong, right, and then Sorry, husband, <laughs> you know, got kind of a moment. But when I'm working with the church with things like justice and peacemaking, I get back a lot confusion as a way of avoiding, right? I'm going to say that again. So when I'm working with the church and doing things like justice and peacemaking, the way of avoidance I feel a lot is confusion. I'm going to put myself in a space of, well, I just don't get it, or it's just too much, or now I feel uncomfortable and I don't know what to do with myself, so I'm gonna act confused or be confused and feel confused, but I'm not going to work through that. I'm gonna stay confused. And I'll let that confusion be the height at which I'm gonna, you know, put my effort into this when as we could all agree here you know scripture shows time and time again that that's exactly where we should be signing up for a life with jesus and a life of christianity is signing up for a life of conflict inside yourself with others and not in a revenge vengeancey violent kind of way it's actually in that harder way where we take time to Self-actualize, find ourselves again. We take time to really listen and say, I am confused But I'm gonna work through that Right, so that's a little of what I've experienced and also sharing to all of us including myself You know when you feel that feeling take that as a sign not as a, a Sign to leave or turn away, but a sign to step in and try harder, right?
0: thank you for that. Um, okay, we are, we're running a little bit low on time, but um, I'm just gonna ask one more question for you guys to respond to. Um, so, in the midst of this, the, the pushback, the resistance that you guys have experienced, um, what is it that, that helps you to per- persevere or that gives you hope in the midst of that?
5: Yeah, so I think I'm going first this time because we're going this <laughs> order. Um, <laughs> so, that actually kind of uh, regles a little bit of my answer, but like the rhythms in my own life, where like, I go on my own personal retreats sometimes, like even sometimes by myself, for like a few days, and then collect myself. Revisit some of the Ebenezers what God has like, done in my life. You know, invite people in if I need to, if I need the community, because sometimes God is also a God of joy and fun, and I like to be with people on those retreats sometimes. And because I was like, that's how I take care for my soul. We're like in this journey. If I actually do believe that God is with me in his whole name, Emmanuel, then he is with me in that season as well of recovery and rest. And I cannot forget that side of him. And even, even in general life of like, he is with me in blank, where I need to experience his good and compassionate heart a lot more. And be more intentional in actually coming to that and experiencing it. Even there with compassion, like Latin like Comment Patrick, like be with, like, be with them in suffering. And like in the midst of suffering, it's coming to mind again. It's like even I was preparing like First Thessalonians, like they were able to still share the gospel joyfully in the middle of the suffering. That's in like the first few verses. I'm I'm like very bad at verse memorization reference, like don't ask me to quote no, that. Right. But like it's there somewhere. Just look, just yeah, just a yeah, just do like the whole thing.
1: Yeah,
4: I'll go. <laughs> um, okay, remind me of the question. My brain is blanking. Uh, brain.
0: So, how do you persevere in the midst of this pushback and right. hope to keep going?
4: Yes. So, um, in the reset for me in that season, really learning my boundaries um, and understanding what. And wh- where are the spaces that I know that I can function in my freedom? And so if it's a space where I can't, where I don't feel like I can be my whole self, then setting um, fair expectations in that space um, as to what to say, that's my line. I'm gonna disengage when it gets to this place. Because I think for me, to the point about avoidance, I don't, I don't think that avoidance is the issue, so therefore you just surround yourself with people that sound and look like you. Um, but I do think it's important to, you can't, I just seen so many friends and people who are in advocacy world burn out so fast and so hard because they are not taking care of themselves they are not taking care of their families and they're not um you know abiding and resting and being filled um by love and grace and so for me that's that's huge Um, in in knowing when to um how to handle the, the pushback is is really trying to set fair expectations of the people you're engaging with um, setting boundaries and who you're spending your time with too, because that, you know, depending on the environment can also impact um, how you function and influence you in that way as well. So, that's that for me is, is big, a big part of it.
3: Hmm. Well, I'm just like reveling in all the sharing. Um, I think as we step into the space, as I have stepped into the space, the idea of imposter syndrome starts like sinking in really hard and um, wondering, am I doing enough? Am I trying hard enough? And then, am I taking care of myself? And there's all these layers, and I do think it comes back ultimately when you're looking for that hope and that peace and that way forward. I know I'm doing the like, Jesus is the answer. <laughs> But Jesus is the answer! <laughs> um, so, I, it really comes back to that relationship you have, and are you cultivating that? Just you and Him. And so, going back to that whole image of heaven, um, I was once challenged, you know, from, by someone who said, well, what if heaven was just you and Jesus in a room with just one lamp, you know? Just, that's it. Is, is that heaven, you know? And obviously we can go many, many layers down, but it really challenged me to think, am I building a relationship with Christ that is that intimate? Where if it's just me and him, and I don't wanna say Jesus is enough, or Jesus is all you need, but that the core pieces of my hope and my peace center first in that, and then I have this beautiful community, and the life and the joys of my life to help supplement that and carry it through. But at the center, it really, it really comes down to that. I, ugh, I, I feel like the one that's like, Jesus.
4: <laughs> but yeah. That is okay, <laughs> that's okay. Jesus. <laughs> Can I get amen, <laughs> Jesus? <laughs> amen. We are oh at a church. Oh my gosh. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> Allowed.
3: That's it, gosh. I, I have all these other things I wanna say, but I, I feel like that, that's, that's, that's all that needs to be said, at least for me, right now. Thank you, ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> ice cream's filling me over there, or, or fresh fruit. <laughs> Love that. It's
2: funny, because as I heard the street vendor, I was like, oh, I have to wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I don't care about you. I care <laughs> about all of you. But if I can get a Russ after this, oh my God. <laughs>
1: um,
2: how do I persevere and have hope? I. This is hard. It was a hard life. I have dealt with a lot of violence at me, different kinds for different reasons. Um, And there have been years where I have been the one to fight back. Um, And then there have been less years, which I'm currently in, where it's not a matter of fighting back and it's not a matter like, I don't have to be in a battle all the time. Um And that's a beautiful realization for me. But the, the best way that I can say it is I have to treat myself like a human being, and I have to love I have to love humanity within myself. Um, and I say that because I am a black woman. So respectability politics is something that is expected of me, being nice, um, having to earn my way into the table, is something that I've had to deal with. And it's very violent because at any given moment, I'm an angry black woman, right? That is not, that's not the image of God. That's not what God wants for me. I'm an Asian woman. I'm expected to be the model minority. I'm expected to be the perfect Asian daughter. I'm expected to fit into these places. And I don't know if you've met me, I can't do that. Like literally cannot do any of that. Right, I'm a woman. I'm expected to be silent and like give over my authority or give over what I have to someone else. I don't do that. I speak plain, I'm honest, and I go into conflict when I, when I believe it's necessary. But I only do those things because I have boundaries and because I center safety, um, whether it is my own safety or the safety of those with, that I'm with. Brianna and I have had a situation where I literally told her, I can't work with you because I can't work with this person, and I can't work with this person because I know how violent they are, and it it's not safe. So if you want me, you can have me, but you can't have him. I give ultimatums like that because I love myself and I know that God loves my mental health. So I really have to be clear about what I want. And I will end with this because I could, the street vendor is like getting quieter. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> But when I think of Jesus, our good and perfect Savior, um, y'all, Jesus is about consent. Every interaction. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to heal? For goodness sakes, like Legion gave Jesus consent of what to do with him, a demon, right? Jesus is about safety and consent. Even when God came to Mary, or even when Gabriel came to Mary and said, hey, by the way, God wants you to have his baby. Surprise. there is a pause. There is a period of reflection where Mary is offered the chance to give her consent. Like, God cares about consent, and in this in this world where I, as a woman of like multiple colors, have experienced so many so much violence, where my consent has been taken away from me, um, my own story, my own narrative. There's been so much violence within my life. To look to Jesus and say, "You are the one who sees me as human." and even before I have the opportunity to ask myself, do I feel safe in this situation? I know that Jesus is asking me that too. Do you feel safe? Because honestly, I can't do the, rep- the work of like repair and restoration if I don't feel safe because I'm not creating what I don't feel, right? And that, that is what gives me hope and that's what helps me persevere. Miriam Kaba um, is an abolitionist and she has this quote where she says, hope is a discipline. And I, I just want us to think about that, that it's not a feeling, it's something that we're doing day in and day out. The building of hope is a discipline. And honestly, like, I know I, I will die before what I want to happen will come into existence, but every day it's a small piece of creating safety and working in the discipline of hope so that we can see the kingdom of God come here to this earth, like here for us now.
4: So sorry, can I jump in real yeah. quick, just a little, add a little bit to that, just real Please fast. Um, yeah, to the point of safety and, and all that. I just want to say another thing, I think when it comes to perseverance, and this is just true across the board of persevering, uh, being okay to just to be where you're at. So like today, I couldn't sing the first two songs. Like, I just couldn't. I started and then I started crying because I was like, I don't, I don't believe the words I'm singing right now. So I just want to say, uh, you have like that's that's what I'm talking about when it comes to safety and just freedom is to know that God, like He can He wants all of us and that requires being who we are, always in the moment. And so I just want to share that if if that's something that maybe you struggle with too is feeling like like we can't pretend to be someone we're not to the imposter syndrome. It's like I don't. Yeah, so just, that's another part of that, to be able to continue is in, and if you feel like you're hiding, then you're probably not gonna be able to persevere. Um, And so just knowing that, you know, one, that we have a space, with God to be able to be all, you know, be all our whole self, and then I think it, to the point about boundaries and community, then finding who are those people that you can be your whole self with always, um, because we're not going to be able to do much if we're still continuing to part, like hide ourselves and creating spaces that people feel like they have to hide because they are not um, able to step into who who they are. So, just wanted to add what you're saying. Yeah. You you. I one thing
0: from our from our conversation. Tuesday, um, the thing that has stuck with me and that was was highlighted here too is um, the importance of our own, like owning our own belovedness, um, owning our our identity as image bearers of God and the dignity that comes with that, uh, taking the time to pursue our own wholeness, allowing God to, to do the healing and restoration in our own lives and how that is so essential to being able to participate in this work of peacemaking and justice and liberation in the world around us. Um, so thank you guys so much for sharing. And I do, you know, as I said to you Bri before, um, I know for, for all of you that it is a risk in coming here into a space that, that is unfamiliar to you guys. Um, and so we really do appreciate you guys trusting us with, with your stories and and sharing your, your time and the emotional and mental energy that it takes you to, to come here and share. So thank you guys so much. If you could give it up. Thank you. Thank you.